Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Allie Warshavsky, and today on our podcast, we're speaking with Marsha Lefemina, president of Penn Globe, the woman who wants to transform a fair haven building into a manufacturing training hub. Marsha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Allie. It's nice to be with you all. Well, it's great to have you here. Such an interesting idea that you're trying to make happen. And before we dive into this building, let's talk about your history in manufacturing and in Connecticut. You lived in Fairhaven, so if if uh, the, you acquire this building and make it happen, uh, it's a little bit of history for you there. And um, you're in manufacturing, so how did you get interested in manufacturing? By accident, you know, uh, by accident. Um, my um, my father um, owned the business um, and uh, was not a plan for me to go into it. I had no desire to. I was an art major going to be an art teacher. But one thing led to another and I could draw. And so I started drawing the pictures of the light fixtures in my summers. And one thing led to another and here I am. So I like to think the art has a little bit to do with making things work around here. Definitely. And, and for those who don't know, Penn Globe is an outdoor lighting manufacturing company in North Brantford, but you plan on moving cl- closer to Fairhaven. Um, so with this building, your employees could work there and train people who want to go into manufacturing, correct? Correct. That's exactly what we're hoping to do. Um, because I did live in Fairhaven for a couple of years as a um, much younger person. It is the only neighborhood that I really know to to some extent. Um, And the Fairhaven area um, has changed, but it stays the same. It's very historical. It's got a a manufacturing um, history that is something that is not lost on any of us, and particularly where we would like to be, which is in the Mill River District. Yeah, I was going to ask you if anyone's familiar with it, do you have a particular building in mind in Fairhaven? We do, um, and if we're successful in moving forward, um, that looks as though the building will be ours. That is the, that is the plan um, to rent, not own, just to be clear, to be renting in the property. Um, and since the property we're looking at is, um, again, was a manufacturing facility of some kind dating back to 1929, I guess it's had a couple of different um uses over the years clearly it hasn't been a manufacturing facility for a while but the bones are there and the history is there so and the location is uh, is great for the neighborhood and you'd have a lot of work um in front of you to transform it into a building that would be a community hub for manufacturing trainees what do you envision there when people walk in i've read about a few different ideas that you have to to um incorporated into this building? Well, I I think what we're attempting to do, and I want to be clear that um, this is the result of a lot of partners coming together. And that, by that, I don't mean financial partners. I mean, you know, the whole approach to this has been a common sense approach of um, people bringing to the table what what they do best. Um, You know, we'll start with the manufacturing and it's kind of common sense of manufacturers training manufacturing students. Um, that's not always the way that it is. Um, a lot of times there are educators and people who are, have to be you know, learning to teach the students. So the idea was to get a broader scope of manufacturing experience if manufacturers are actually teaching it. Um, 
in our particular case, using um, bringing our folks over, particularly to that part of New Haven, um, it would be extremely helpful if the majority of the people here are bilingual. That'll open up another whole realm of, um, of, of opportunity. And when you start from there and you start thinking about the, what everyone can bring to the table, um, there are there are many things. There are organizations and agencies in the neighborhood where residents are coming, saying, "What can what can I do? How can I change my life?" Um, they can say, "I know something. Let's go to take you down here um, and come and see the people at Match." And we we can't be an answer to everything. And I don't expect, in fact, that you know that we will. But we have the support of um, of the city clearly of economic development, the Community Foundation of Greater New Haven will be key um, to all of this going forward. And um, the list kind of goes on, you can imagine it. it's pretty, it's pretty significant because it's common sense and because it makes sense. So, you know, you have a great career. Um, what gave you this idea to do something that is a little bit out of the box? Um, you know, you could have just gone on with your daily life, but this is another project that is certainly going to take a ton of work. What inspired this? I was looking for an opportunity to be able to do something like this. I have the, the good fortune to, um, um, I don't know a lot about any one thing, but I know a little bit about a lot of things. And my experience in the last couple of years has been that um, I've, I've been involved with a, a workforce project here or a workforce board there. Um, clearly manufacturing boards. And I could see that given the opportunity, we could create something that was, you know, unique. And um, I personally was um, inspired by um, a, a project because, you know, this is going to be a contract manufacturer. I need to say that this is going to be a contracted contractor manufacturing. It will, in fact, um, have revenue that can be reinvested so that it can become self-sustaining. And I saw some projects, I saw some people, the people who have come on to be instructors and um, more than instructors, you know, to, to be the management of, of all of this. And again, everybody bringing, can't go into huge details, but everybody bringing what they do. Um, hopefully we won't be having our hand out looking for money. We think we'll be self-sufficient in three years. So to answer your question where it came from, is looking for a model, thought we found it, started asking around in February and March. And um, when it looked like I was gonna be able to put together the resources in September, we kicked it into high gear. So um, I'm sure at some point you'll wanna talk about the grant process, but it did happen to coincide with grant funding that is available now, um, federal money that the, the state is administering. And, and we, of course, are, are taking as our good fortune that we have an opportunity to apply for it to see if we can make this all become a reality. That was my next question right there, is that you did apply for this grant. If you do receive it, you know what would it cover and when do you expect to hear if, if you did receive it? So the monies that we're asking for are heavily front-loaded to get this thing up and up and running. It's the first year that's critical. While we're um, securing the customers who are actually going to buy the component parts from us to make, to train students. Um, um, so what, is, what we're going to be looking for is everything that we possibly, you know, can get. You know, we need training money. We need... Um, 
equipment that teaches to the skill sets that the manufacturers want to hire from around this area, this region, because we think we're going to be pretty broad. We don't need customers specifically to be from this region, but we definitely need our manufacturing base. So there will be, you know, finding the customers, the equipment, outfitting the building, and obviously the training. The good thing to say about the training is, is that we're fortunate down here in New Haven, um, the Workforce Alliance, full disclosure, I'm on the board of directors, um, but the Workforce Alliance um, has, has had an operational plan that mirrors the pipeline that was created in the East or the original manufacturing pipeline. And it's been operational, I think we're in our fourth year. So what we're able to do with that program, which is called Skill Up, because we are gonna tweak it to some degree, but we have the baseline of a curriculum, which a lot of people don't have. It's not, it's proven. Um, I think so far, Skill Up has placed um, a couple of hundred students with um, manufacturers, and I believe it's 30 or so, 30, 40 in that range. So, I mean, we've got a lot of, again, what people do best, bringing the curriculum, bringing the employers that we're already using. And we're able to take this in some ways, turn into a skill up um, 2.0, if, if you will. We, we, again, what everybody does best, the college, community colleges is, is, um, uh, is part of our skill up program. So um, it's an amazing network. And we're supported by our regional sector partnership, which is huge. And we're, we're very grateful. So uh, if you secure this grant, fingers crossed you do, you mentioned this, but the way to sustain this program and what would make it um, something that's so attractive is contracting local manufacturers, including your own, and having students produce elements for them um, over the course of their training, correct? Some of them would be components. It, it would really depend on what the, we're going to have the capacity to make components for I would think many industries. Um, also the possibility of making finished goods. And there's there's something to be said when, when you're training people, when they're not just making something, I don't know, fake, if you will, something that has no purpose. It's quite another to be able to open a catalog and see the thing that you made or to walk down the street and say, oh, I made you know, something that that stop sign sits on. There's something there that gives it, and I believe it gives um, reinforcement to the um, to the students. And I also believe it gives credibility to the employers that want to hire them that they're actually making real things. Yeah, I think it'd be very gratifying. We've had so many manufacturers on lately that said the reason they love their career is because you can hold the product that you've created when you're when you've done, or you see it on Mars in in, in the rover. So, I think that would be very motivating. Now, say you're up and running, um, things are going well. How many workers do you believe the train um, you could train at the hub over a year or maybe even five years? Do you have an estimate? We do. We've gone out four years. Um, and, and, and when I say training, I'm going to make sure that that's, that's a full breath. It's not just entry level positions. These are supervisory positions. Um, we're hoping there'll be some entrepreneurial graduates that we can help move in that direction. We're projecting, projecting conservatively um, 145 year one. And we think by year four, we will be just under a thousand. Wow. That's a lot of people to walk through those doors and, and in such an important time because as you are well aware, there's a huge labor shortage, but manufacturing has been dealing with this for years. It's nothing new to that industry. Um, how important is it that Connecticut builds a pipeline of manufacturers through programs like this? 
Well, we could talk a long time about this. And obviously it's really, really important that it does. But I do think that models are going to have to be um, shaken up. And I hope to get some attention while we're training these students. We know, we're, aside from focusing on, you know, I'm going to say it, the underserved uh, community in, uh, in New Haven, Fairhaven being one of them where far too many people are living below the poverty level. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a misnomer. Um, New Haven appears to be doing wonderful. We have biotech and we have all these people making six figures and whatnot, but there's a, there's a huge component of the uh, portion of the society that is, is, doesn't have those luxuries and doesn't have net benefits and, you know, has energy assistance issues and all the social issues that, you know, it's a, it's a huge dichotomy. Those, those areas and what have to be addressed are the real game changers. And what is sitting out there for the whole country is um, forgetting whether people are of color you know, racial equity and all that, but that's a given in this model. I mean, it's just it's a given, um, is the women component. And uh, we're, we're fostering an idea that more people, which is why our numbers are so high, we can attract more women into this model by offering a 25 hour work uh, training week. What that means is um, a lot of people talk about um, childcare being an issue, but this kind of gets rid of the childcare issue because the average school day in Connecticut is 6.47 hours. Didn't know that until this year, 6.7. Does not make it possible for someone to work an eight hour workday who's a mother. She's not, just simply isn't going to do it. If you can do a 25 hour work week so that a mother could put her children on the bus, go and work and, and or learn, which they're gonna do at match on the 25 hour schedule, um, then they can be home in time to meet the bus, do the dinner, do the homework. And let me see, have a great quality of life not be not working at all. I'm working at Dunkin' Donuts on the third shift at the 24 hour Dunkin' Donuts. These are game changers, you know, these are absolute game changers, but it doesn't hold up if employers will not see the sense of a 25 hour work week for women. So we have to, we're gonna be taking it upon ourselves to, um, we're, we're, we're modeling it now, it's really working out very well. Um, and you know, this is where partners will come in I don't, don't want to bore your audience, but you said the weak spot in that model is what do you do during the summer? Well, some partner in this area is going to have to help us figure out what do we do for these children during the summer so their mothers can stay in the workforce. Um, these We can't be everything for everybody, but these things we can do. So um, that's my answer to that. And it's a great one and something that our surveys of businesses have just shown time and time. The issue with people returning back to work, one of the biggest ones is child care. And the labor shortage obviously can't be fixed if people can't um, have a place for their children to go that is one, affordable and, and two, safe. Um, I was going to ask you about women getting them into the industry. You kind of answered that. But what I, I do want to ask you is, you know, when you started off in manufacturing, which you said was a mistake, you know, I'm sure you were outnumbered. Have you seen the industry change? You know, are you one of many women now, or do you still think there is a, a huge um, gap in terms of getting women into manufacturing? I think the numbers, you know, are obviously increasing, but there's plenty of room for more of us, and we should all be working in that direction. I just think it's unexplored. I think it's unexplored potential. Um, and, and opportunity. Um, and I, I, my gut tells me it's not a financial, it's, it's my gut just tells me it's a logistical 
it's a logistical, you know, I mean, you know, take the childcare issue, which I just have to come back to again. If you pay somebody enough money, then they have to go find that childcare and they have to get the ch children to the childcare. Then they have to, you know, get to the job and then get back and do the whole thing and get up in the morning and do the whole thing again. If you shorten the work week and get higher pro productivity and you take out the cost and the logistics, the logistical nightmare, um, I was, you must have, was this the hundredth time I said this time? It's just common sense, right? Right. It's just, it's just common sense. Um, and then who knows where these women, you know, for instance, could go for. There's nothing to say that these women would stay on the shop floor. They could be the remote management positions. I mean, there are many things. If we can draw them in on a schedule, you know, there's no magic to the 40 hour work week. There's no magic. You know, I mean, we, we used to work seven days a week, 10 hours a day in this country. Right. There was no magic to that. So um, I think if employers are serious about uh, somebody, I heard the phrase the other day, we were talking to some people that were, finds out we're modeling out in the West Coast, which we didn't even know we were. So it's good to know that there's a model that is proven and is working for since 1957. Um, and they were saying, you know, now employers will take somebody, you know, who's, you know, who breast shows up when they breathe on the glass. So if you're willing to do that, you know, change the, change some things and tweak it a little, let's change the world, you know, let's get more women and underserved communities, you know, back to work. And like you mentioned, it can be a real career. You know, you start anywhere, you start small, but there's real career path um, to management positions, a great salary and benefits if women and um, men in, in underserved communities have the help they need to get started. So thank you so much for... It's, it's interesting you say that and not to cut you off, but that 25-hour work week, isn't, while, while you can clearly see that the, the participants would be women, there's nothing to say that, you know, the, the person who needs to hold their part-time job in our model, right? While they're getting this training, they can't afford to go however long it's gonna to take to go through this program. Um, that goes for men and women. So I think the 25 hour model is definitely gonna be a game changer. Well, hopefully we'll be talking to you about that in the near future. Fingers are crossed. I really appreciate the opportunity um, and um, thanks for the interest. Yeah, absolutely. We will definitely be following up with you. Hopefully that grant is uh, secured and then you can begin the process and maybe we'll be able to come in person and check it out ourselves. So thank you. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, YouTube, SoundCloud, and for more episodes, visit CBIA.com.